good morning. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. And how do you get spiritual after Prince and Michael Jackson? I don't know. We're going to try to find out. But I heard some of you finishing the lines of that song. It's such really funny so to me. But anyhow, and I feel like I'm on like an episode of Saved by the Bell. Anybody after that little video intro right there? No? No? Yes. Some of you are acknowledging it. Some of you are not. Some of you are laughing. Some of you are going, saved by what? And to those of you that would say that, I would say be quiet. So uh, you're way too young. So um, again, it is, it's great to see you. And we're in this series, Mixtape. And so I want to talk about a passage of Scripture that if you've been doing the SOAP, the uh, Scripture Observation Application Prayer kind of devotional that we're doing as a church, if you were doing that or you're walking through that, on uh, July the 13th, there was two chapters. So with SOAP, if you don't know what that is, it's just kind of a daily devotional that we're doing. You can actually go to the lifechurchwi.com, and you, it's right there, and you can download that. And so it's two chapters a day, and we just say, hey, man, take a devotional, like a, a journal, and uh, just simply uh, read those two chapters. And then what sticks out to you, any observations that you have, any applications for your everyday living, and then a prayer that you would have after that, and just kind of do that. On July the 13th, Daniel chapter 1 and chapter 2 were the two chapters for that day. And so what I want to do today is I just am going to kind of pull a page out of my devotional, out of that journal entry. And because I love Daniel, and this is one of the things I love about reading the Bible. You, I, I, you, know, you can read the Bible a gazillion times, and then you can read it a gazillion and one, and that next time there's something fresh from that passage that you never saw before, a perspective, and maybe it's where you're at in life and what's going on. Uh, but these two chapters I want to walk through today because I want to talk about the, the process of purpose. The process of purpose. Because um, this is what we see in Daniel's life. It's kind of how does Daniel arrive at where he gets to? How does he get into the sweet spot of what God created him to be? How does he live life on purpose? See, all of us are going to arrive somewhere in life. But some of us are going to arrive there on purpose. That's the key. The key is, is your life going somewhere. Everybody's life in this room is going somewhere. The question is, where is it going? And is it on purpose? Is it on task? And, and sometimes when you ask this question, you get responses like, well, you know, man, I, if I had this or if I had that, my life would be together. Uh, or, you know, if, um, uh, you know, it, it just kind of should all fall into place or... You know, man, if I'm really living on purpose, um, it, 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 life wouldn't have hardships or struggle. Or, man, if I was like in the Bible days, like I could really do this. And I, to that, I laugh. Because you've never read the Bible if you think that. Because those people are jacked up. That's a deep theological term. They're messed up people. And, and people just like you and like I. And, and they've got issues and problems and, and insecurities and, and worries and fears. And they're living in real time. And we get to drop in on just bits and pieces of it to see how God moves. But it's there as a kind of a, of a life book, a workbook, a playbook, if you would, to how to live life. And so I would say to anybody who would give any of those excuses about purpose, you're wrong. Purpose doesn't just happen. Purpose doesn't just fall into place. Purpose is not just for a certain group of people. Uh, purpose is not about Sunday morning. Really, this message is, is really about Monday through Friday. And so with that in mind, what I want you to do is, I, don't, I, I very rarely ask this, but I'm going to ask you for your own benefit, and, and um, it's, I'll get to it at the end of the message. 
to take notes on today's message. Smartphone, grab a, uh, an envelope in front of you with an ink pen. And, but here's what I want you to do. I just want you to hit the high points. So I'm going to walk through these, these two chapters, in Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 2. So you can write the scripture references down. There's going to be a few points that we're going to hit, but there are going to be things that really resonate with you, things that just really, something speaks to your heart. Write that down. And I'll get to it at the end of the sermon today. But if you on your phone, smartphone, pull it up, whatever, take notes, uh, write it out. Uh, if you're like me, my Bible, man, I write in the margins of my Bible. I highlight it. I do that. And for some of you go, oh, you realize the Bible that you have is not the original manuscript that was written, right? It's a copy in some publishing house somewhere that they printed and so for me, the Bible is that workbook, that playbook in how to live life. And so, man, I treat it like a textbook. I mark it up. I write in the margins. I do everything that I can to win the test, right, to, 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 to pass the tests that, that, that are coming. That's why it's given to us. And when I get full on one Bible, then I go to the next Bible. And then I've, I've done this so much that it's like, what Bible was that in that I wrote that? Oh, that was that teal green one from 1989. Anybody? Teal green? Right? My mom had a teal green Beretta. Anybody? Take me back. Amen. I see that hand. So I'm just like, that's it for me. And so anyhow, I've gotten way off of my sermon. But, but I, I, I want you to take some notes. I'm going to come back to this. Because the truth of the matter is, when it comes to purpose, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Jeremiah says that God has a plan and a purpose for every person's life on the planet. There's a plan and a purpose that's there. That when you were, when you were as the Bible says, knit together in your mother's womb, God had a plan and a purpose. He had a calling on your life. And sometimes when you hear that, you kind of go, well, yeah, for preachers, I get that. No, 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 no. For all of us, most of the people that we read in the Bible and read about in the Bible, Daniel, today, that we're going to read about, was not a minister. He was a politician. He worked in government. Most of the people that we read in Scripture were businessmen, businesswomen. They were in politics. They were, they were in government. They were in power and places of authority. And so, so the reality is this is not for the church as far as like ministry, this is for all of us and how we live our life and what we do. But the, re, but the truth of the matter is, is that you have to work and develop yourself the, the, the purpose that God has for you, the plan that God has for you. It doesn't just happen. You don't just like, I, I, I wish it was like, you know, like I wish somebody could pray for me and I would lose 20 pounds. You know what I'm talking about? Like just right now, I'm going to just hold on to your pants, Aaron. I'm going to lay my hands on you in the name of Jesus and you're going to lose 20 pounds. If we could do that, we could have a, you, you know how many people we could have at church if we could do a healing line like that? <laughs> well, what would we do? We would leave here and go to China, China Kitchen to the buffet. Amen? <laughs> Amen. That's what we would do. And so, so the deal is, it's a process. And so it doesn't just happen. And so we have to work and develop. I, I like to say it like this. The sovereignty of God is that we pray because everything depends upon God, but we work as so everything depends upon us. We do everything within our power to do what we think God is asking us to do, but we are completely dependent upon him, and we give him all the honor and all the praise and all the glory because the Bible says it's in him that we live and that we move and that we have our being. But there's purpose. And some of you may be going like, well, man, purpose then should be kind of easy. If I'm really in the sweet spot of what God has, there'll be a flow. No, there's hardships. There's struggle. Struggle always produces strength. And let me say this before I kind of dive into this one in chapter 1 and chapter 2. Some of you are like, hey, I get this. This is for the young people in the crowd. This is for all those kids that were on the platform a few minutes ago and jumping around. And don't you remember when we were like that? And I'm kind of over halfway done with my life. I'm coming into the retirement years. I, you know, 
Yeah, what's happened in your world is you've gone from success to significance. These kids up here, we're all, they're all striving for success, whatever that may be. They're trying to accomplish this, accomplish that, accomplish. You've already done that. So now what you're doing is you're setting back at this last half of your life and going, what significance is going to be left when I'm off the planet? You really should be listening to this message. What purpose has God called me to? Have I completed that purpose? Yeah, I'm beyond success. I want significance. It's not about money. It's not about a claim. It's not about labels. I want to be significant. The Bible says that a righteous man or woman, that the, the blessings of God don't just flow to the next generation, but to the third and to the fourth generation. Some of you are first-generation Christians. You came to faith in Jesus Christ, and your parents weren't Christians, and your grandparents weren't Christians, and you want to change from your point all the way forward how life is going to be lived. This message is for you. Some of you, you are looking and going, man, I've had all of these things. What is it? How is it? How has God brought me to this place? How am I to leverage this? Purpose, 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 purpose. So how does it work? How do I discover this? Daniel chapter 1. We see at the very beginning of Daniel chapter 1, that the nation of Israel has been brought under the captivity of the Babylonian Empire, which is the number one superpower on the world at that time. This is about 586 B.C. So about almost 600 years before Christ, the Babylonians will come in, and they are, they are the number one superpower on the planet, and they, are, they have overtaken Jerusalem and all Judea and all the Israelites. Actually, King Jehoiakim has given them over and kind of received a ransom, in essence, for the nation of Israel. And so the reality is, is that that's happening. And, uh, and, and so, and what's interesting in verse 1, it's not going to be on the screen, but in verse 1 of Daniel chapter 1, and the Bible says in that God delivers the nation of Israel into the hands of the Babylonians. Why would God deliver his chosen people to the most pagan, sinful, wicked empire on the face of the planet? That's, the Babylonians were known as that. Why would he do that? It's the same reason why we ask, why do bad things happen to good people? Why did that job not play out? Why did the promotion not come? Why is it that this isn't happening? Why couldn't we secure the, the mortgage for the house? Why is it that this didn't sell? Why is it that this door of opportunity isn't opening up? Why is it that I can't seem to get where I'm wanting to go? Why is it that my world is unraveling? That's what's happening in Daniel chapter 1. And we pick up in verse 8, Daniel's response to that was this. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Purpose always begins with a decision. Purpose always begins, begins with a decision. It's a choice. It's a choice. When Babylon overtakes Israel, they do what they've done with every other nation that they've conquered. They take the top echelon of people, the most powerful people, the wisest of people, the, 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 the select 
upper echelon of people, and they bring them into the king's palace, and they give them access to all that the king has. They give them access to, to, to the housing. They give them access to the food. They give them access to the wine. They give them access to the women. They give them access to everything. Why are they doing that? Because what they understood was that they wanted to harvest the very best of whatever country they were, they were conquering. They wanted to take that. They wanted to use that, and they also wanted to buy those people out. They wanted to say, look, if you will, we know you're a conquered people now, but if you will trust us, if you will follow us, if you'll bring your loyalty to us, we'll give you all of this. We'll give you all that the king's house has to offer if you will but help us. Daniel is one of those who is choice top among all his other friends, and he's brought into this house. And when he's brought there, he's given access to everything that Babylon has to offer. And he says he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. His heart. Decision. Daniel's not alone. There's three other friends that he has. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 17 says, And as for these young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. I want to unpack this, because when we read this, we think, oh, well, they had, like, good Bible quiz knowledge. Like, you know, they, they knew their Bible verses, and they, you know, they were, no, 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 no. This is a secular uh, aptitude test. This is a, a secular assessment. This is, this is the number one superpower in the world going, how diverse is their learning? How deep is their knowledge? How equipped? What's their acumen to understand literature and wisdom and knowledge? How much do they know? And, and the Bible says that God was the one that gave them knowledge and skill. That's ability. It's one thing to know something. It's another thing to be able to do something. It's one thing to see somebody do something. It's another thing to be able to actually do it. It's one thing to listen to a CD. It's another thing to be able to sing like that singer or play, the, play a, mu uh, a musical instrument the way that person. It, it's, it's one thing to see it. It's, an, it's one thing to go to Starbucks and drink the coffee and see the barista do it. It's another thing to run and be the CEO of, of a, of a multi-billion dollar corporation. God gave them knowledge and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel, among his friends, had an understanding in visions and dreams. But I want you to catch this. Who gave them that ability? God. God gave them that ability. Purpose always acknowledges God. Purpose and the life of a Christ follower, biblically speaking, acknowledges God, the created to the creator, as the giver of the gifts and the abilities. Yes, those young men studied and they worked and they developed. But all praise, all glory, all, all honor goes to God. Why? Because he's the one that gives them the capacity to do that. He's the one that does that. He's the one that, that gives them that. And, and just like he gave them those abilities, and Daniel, a special ability to understand visions and dreams, he's given you skills. He's given you gifts. He's given you abilities. He's given some of you some very special gifts and special abilities. Some of you have, have an ability of compassion with people that is just 
incredibly amazing. Some of you, the things that you can build and construct with your hands, it's, it's just wow. Some of you, you've got the bandwidth mentally to, to think through and processively and systematically be able to, to take very abstract ideas and bring them into a way that is very understandable for the rest of us to understand it. Stand it. Some of you have an ability to make money and to create wealth. You know how to make businesses and you know how to make, some of you can sell ice to an Eskimo. Some of you, you just, you have these gifts and the abilities. And, and at some point in time, you have to stop and go, yeah, I've, I've learned and I've grown and I've developed, but where does that ability come from? Where does that aptitude come from? Because we're not all given the same measure of talent. Every one of us are given different gifts, different abilities, d- different capacities. Some of us are four ounce, some of us are eight ounce, some of us are 16 ounce, some of us are 64 ounce. The bottom line is, is we're all different capacities. But who gives us that ability? Did it just come from you? Did it come from some primordial ooze that turned into some uh, a primate that turned into some human being along the way? Did, 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 did it come because you were, you know, you're good enough or smart enough? Did it come from your own money? Did it come from, are you a self-made person, which is a joke? No, it comes from God. He's the one that gives me the ability. And it's what Jesus says, in, in him I live and I move and I have my being. It's, it's in him. It's him. It's, it's in him. And, and, and purpose acknowledges that. Now, year one has passed, and we go to chapter two. It's an entire year from chapter one to chapter two. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king, has a dream that nobody can interpret. And he brings in all of his wise men. He brings in all the sorcerers and all of the wizards and, and, and all of his intellect, intellectual crowd and, and all, of the, all of his educated people. Nobody can interpret it. Matter of fact, they tell him that nobody but a god could interpret the dream. Nebuchadnezzar is so infuriated that he begins to kill them one by one. Just destroys them, obliterates them physically. And they began to scramble to find out, is there anybody in the kingdom that can stop this, stop this carnage? And they find Daniel has this ability in verse 13 of chapter 2. And here's Daniel's response when they come to him. Chapter 2, verse 14. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered. With counsel and with wisdom, Daniel answered. You may go, what's the big deal about that? This is showing you that purpose is developed. Purpose is not automatic. Purpose doesn't just fall in place. It's developed. Yeah, you've got an ability to be able to speak, but you have to develop that gift. You have an ability to be able to debate, but you have to be able to develop that gift. So it goes from Lincoln-Douglas debate in high school to where you can be a trial attorney at age 30. Yeah, you have an ability to be able to acquire wealth and to make money, but you have to know and whom you can trust it and where you can invest it and what you can do to leverage it for its capacity. Yeah, you, you've got an ability to be able to take things apart and put things together, but we need to get you educated and we need to get you in a system so that you can understand really how to work the mind that God's given you. See, there, there's a part of it, this is, this, is, this is a part of it, where there's a God piece to it, but then there's also a human piece to it. It's how God designed it. God wants to work in and through us, but we have to be willing to work. Uh, and, and I grew up in church, and people would say, well, you know, this, the Lord just did that. And I'm like, I understand what they're saying, and there's truth in that, but that's not the full truth. It's kind of like walking up to the old farmer and going, man, looking over, at, looking over at, at his acreage of his farm and going, man, look, look at what God's done. This is just amazing what God's done. Look at this land and look at this farm. And the farmer looks at him and scratches his head and pulls his old cap up and says, I don't know about that. You should have saw it when God had it by himself. 
right? Corn doesn't plant itself. It doesn't naturally grow in rows, amen? It, it doesn't weed itself. It doesn't harvest itself. Who does that? The farmer. There's one of the things I love about just taking a Sunday afternoon drive in Washington County, and you'll see the black, rich soil that's in this area, and you, you realize that all of those hardwoods that years ago, that, that settlers that came into this area back in Dinesville and these other, in Freistadt and these other little small villages, that these mostly German settlers came in and would take uh, uh, literally with, with mules and with plows physically uproot these hardwood trees and fall the lumber and pull it out and then plow the ground and develop the ground. And before they would plant, they would go through and begin to pick up stones and throw them into the back of a, of, 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 of a cart and move the stones. All That's where we call it field stone. And move all the field stone away. Then it was ready to plant. Then they would plant the crops. And so now when you see these rows of corn in this black, rich soil that we have here in Washington County, you start for a minute and you go, that used to be a forest of trees. But somebody with skill and with ability went in, broke their back, and developed that land so that it could be farmed on today. God gives us the soil. God gives us the ability. God gives us the bandwidth. But we have to get up off our backside and have to apply ourselves. That is what Daniel is doing here. Daniel understands. Yeah, God's given me the ability of knowledge, the ability of skill, the ability of wisdom. He's given me the ability to interpret dreams and, and vision. But I have to apply myself and seek out counsel and seek out wisdom. What does that mean? I've got to ask questions. I've got to learn. I've got to be a student. I've got to submit myself and learn and grow and develop and ask. You know, it's, it's, it, this is very interesting to me because, again, Anytime you're talking, you're not learning. I'm not learning anything right now. This is the third time I preach this message. I'm not learning anything right now. But hopefully you're learning something. And so, and, and hopefully you're not just hearing me, but you're learning something. That the Holy Spirit is taking these words and anointing them and using them to download into your life, into your context, and helping to bring something rich out of it. And, and, and the posture is, is that if you want to learn something, you ask questions and then you shut your mouth and you let the person that you want to inquire of answer your question. And you pull out a legal pad and you begin to write down notes. You begin to take notes. Why? Because you want to learn. There are times I'll have guys that'll come and young pastors will say, hey man, I want to pick your brain and how do you plant a church? How do you start a church? How do you grow this? How do you do multi-site? How does this happen? Whatever. And I don't have all the answers, but I'll tell you all my failures. I'll tell you what I did wrong and, 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 I, and, I, and, and a couple things that we stumbled onto. And then I always ask, how much time do you need? Because again, these sermons don't write themselves. I've got work to do, but I'm willing to give you a half an hour, an hour, 90 minutes, whatever you want. And so I had a guy a couple, uh, this, a couple months ago that, from Iowa, and he drove five hours, came here, spent 90 minutes with me. And here's what I knew. I knew he was going to be okay because he had questions, and he asked them, and then he would take out his legal pad and write notes. I've had other guys come, and they'll, they'll want to ask questions, but what they do is they spend the entire time talking, and I just listen, and I sit my grande skinny cinnamon dolce latte at 190 degrees, because that's the only redeeming part of the conversation that's going to happen, and I just smile and nod, and I just keep sipping, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and really what they want me to do is affirm their behavior. They don't want to learn anything. And when they leave, when the assistant comes and knocks on the door and says, hey, pastor, time's up, 
sorry, I'd really love to spend more time with you and talk to you. I'd like to pray with you before you leave, but I've got another appointment. That other appointment is I'm going to Panda Express. Amen? Can I get a witness? That's my next appointment. I say to myself, that person will always struggle in life because they never seek counsel and wisdom. They think they know it all. You will never live a life of purpose if you don't ask questions. You'll never live a life of purpose if you don't humble yourself and go to somebody else. What does the Bible say? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Daniel never loses the posture of a student. Before I answer the king, I have a gift and ability. Before I walk in with my swagger on and I try to throw it down and try to answer his question, I'm going to pull it back, humble myself, and seek counsel and wisdom before I answer the question. Let's read the rest of the story. Verse 18 and 19. That they might seek the mercies from God and of heaven concerning this secret, the dream of the king, so that Daniel and his companion, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. The secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision so that Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So Daniel seeks God, and God answers him and reveals it to him. Purpose is always dependent. Remember this. Doesn't matter how great you are, how high you get, how much your net worth is, how many initials are before or after your name, it's always dependent that God is your source. Yeah, I'm going to ask a lot of people, have a lot of questions, I'm going to get a lot of education, but at the end of the day, I'm going to shut the door, I'm going to pull the blinds, I'm going to get on my knees before a holy God and say, oh God, palms up. I need you. I need you. I need wisdom. I need to know how to do this. I need favor that's beyond my capacity. I need you to increase my bandwidth. You've brought me to this place. This has happened. What do I do? How do I leverage the arsenal of wisdom and knowledge and skill and ability that you've given me? Notice how Daniel... When God gives him the answer in verse 19, look at verses 20 through 23. Look at how he responds. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises kings up. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and the secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light that dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers, that you have given me wisdom and might, and you have made, now made known to me what was asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. You want to talk about a heart of contrition? A broken and a contrite heart, God will never Turn away. Oh God, this is yours. This company's yours. This business is yours. My family's yours. This money's yours. My influence is yours. All that I have is yours. Palms up. God can use a person like that. Let's see what happens. Look at verse 25. Then Arach, who was one of the the king's men, quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah. He's a slave. Who will make known to the king the interpretation. I want you to see that purpose opens doors. Daniel has the answer that the king is looking for. 
his purpose. He's living life on purpose. His ability that God has given him to, to interpret dreams and visions. That's what God uses to open the doors of opportunity. That's what gets him before the king. That's what gives him the place of promise. Can I just tell you that whatever God has given you, don't despise it. Don't despise the small beginnings, humble places that you come from. Some of you, there's a big dream in your heart to do something great. Don't shut that out. And let me help you this. Don't let the haters and the critics derail you or change you or your course in life. Because in the words of the great theologian Taylor Swift, haters are going to hate. So what do we do biblically? We just shake, shake, shake it off. Amen? I'm serious. God's called you to do something. God's put something in your heart. There will be people that will tell you you're crazy. Okay, here's a number. Stand in line. There'll be people that will tell you you're not smart enough. Okay, there'll be people that tell you you're not good enough. Okay, there'll be people that tell you you're not fast enough. You're not competent enough. But you know that you know what God has placed in you. You know what God has done when nobody else was looking. And when nobody else was looking, you've been working and developing and studying and growing and seeking wisdom and counsel. And I'm telling you, if you'll just stay in your lane in the right time, God will open the doors. And it won't be someone else or someone else's ability. It will be the plan and the purpose and the gifting that God's given you. He will use that very thing to bring you before kings. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that your gifts and that the gifts and the callings that God has upon your life will make room for you before kings, before men and women of power and of influence. And I know at some point somebody's going, yeah, well, Daniel's a preacher. No, he's in politics. He's in government. He's getting ready to go before the number one superpower in the world. And it's not his livelihood that's on the line. It's his life that's on the line. But he knows the God who called him. He knows the God who created him. He knows the God who gifted him, has given him what he needs. And that, that's why he can stand in the presence of the king as a captive, as a slave, and look at him eye to eye and square his shoulders and say, Thus saith the word of the Lord. Where does that come from? That comes from being on your knees, alone in prayer, when no one else is looking. That's about working and developing and growing and understanding that God's got it all in control. And, and sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we just, well, I'm just some little Christian. No, you're a child of God. My God, if we ever get a hold of this, the power that raised Christ from the dead, Paul says, dwells in us. Amen. There's no weapon that's formed against us that shall prosper. We'll overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. We will not be the tail. We will be the head. And it doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what the haters say. It doesn't matter what the critics say. Let them talk. Let them squawk. Let the chatterbox run. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, God will use your giftings that he's given you that you've developed to live in that purpose. And that's exactly what happens. That purpose opens up the doors of opportunity. Look at verse 28. But there is a God in heaven, Daniel says, who reveals the secrets, and he's made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dreams, sir, the visions of, of, of your head upon your bed were these. And as for you, O king, the thoughts that came to your mind while you were on your bed about what would come to pass after this, he, speaking of God, who reveals the secrets has made known to you what it will be. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. Listen to the humility in that. 
But for our sakes, who make known the interpretation of the king, that you may know the thoughts of your own heart. Purpose publicly acknowledges its source. Daniel, when he is before the king, does not step back in his faith and his belief in God. He steps into that moment. He doesn't pull back. Do you want to tell you one of the reasons why God places him there? Because God knew he had a man that he could trust. That the power wouldn't corrupt him. That the influence wouldn't persuade him. That the delicacies of the king's palace would not tempt him. But rather, he would stand firm. And when it came time, he would give all honor and glory to God as his source. Check out what the results, as we finish this chapter, the results of a life of purpose bring. First of all, purpose provides provision. Every single time you live in your God-given purpose, it provides provision. Look at verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel. That's his response. And commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. They paid him. They didn't give him a clap offering. They didn't give him an attaboy. They paid him. That's what that means when they bring offerings. You are the only one in the kingdom that has the ability to do this. Here. They open up the, the king's chest. Here. This is yours. How, how is that applicable to your life? What I'm trying to say is when you operate in the purpose that God has for you, you don't have to run after every promotion. You don't have to try to get everybody to, to, to you don't have to win friends, influence, favor with everybody. God will, he knows where you are. He knows what you're doing. You, 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 you don't have to dance for everybody. You don't have to put on a show for everybody. You don't have to perform for everybody. You, you know you live life for the audience of one, and, and you're not stupid, and you're, you're, you're intelligent, and, and, and you, 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 you are, are stewarding the opportunities. But at the right time, God opens the doors, and God brings you at that place and at that time and provides for you and for your needs. Secondly, purpose always provides promotion. Verse 48, then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts. That's more provision. And he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, the chief administrator over all the wise men. Go back to chapter 1, verse 1. And God delivered, the hand, God delivered the nation of Israel into the hands of the Babylonians. Why would God do that? Daniel, if you read any scholarship that's written on Daniel, Daniel was, was poised to be the prime minister of Israel, would have been the leader of Israel. And his dreams are completely crushed when Babylon comes in and takes him over. Because they're slaves now. They're not a free nation. There's nothing to be a prime minister over. He now is under their rule. And instead of just, ah, why is this happening to me? And why is this going on? And why didn't I get the promotion? And why is this happening? And I worked all these years and I developed all this. And for what? So we can be slaves? No. <laughs> Daniel knew one thing that we typically tend to forget. And that is that promotion doesn't come from the east or from the west, but from heaven above. And there is a God who is holy and just. And he sets up the kings that he wants. And he brings down the kingdoms. And nothing on this world happens without his permission. Well, why do bad things happen to bad people? I don't have all the answers, but right here, I can tell you why it happened. There's many reasons historically why it happens. But one of the key reasons 
is that when this happens, Daniel doesn't just become the prime minister or the leader or the chief administrator over a small nation, but rather he becomes the chief administrator over the most powerful nation on the planet. That doesn't happen unless verse 1 of chapter 1 happens. Ooh, I'm about to preach up in here. No, God allows things to happen. Not for our destruction, not for your destruction, not for our frustration, but to show how powerful he is. How's he going to get Daniel to that place by allowing this to happen? He's promoted to the chief administrator over the entire nation of Babylon. And lastly, purpose provides power. Power, influence. Verse 49, Daniel petitioned the king. He couldn't have petitioned the king three verses earlier. His head was on the chopping block. But when he was able to live life in the purpose that God called him to, it opened the doors for provision and for promotion. And with that promotion came the ability to be able to petition the king. And he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his three associates, over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat at the gate of the king, the most powerful place in the city. I'm saying to you today, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And it's not small. And he doesn't have a purpose and a plan for your life to show up on Sunday. He's got a purpose and a plan for your life for Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. If this gospel doesn't work through the week, it is of no value. So this week, what I want you to do is I want you to take those notes that you've written. Those are the things that have kind of resonated with you. And if you're not working this week, then I want you to, if you're on vacation, then wait till you get to work. And if you don't work a a job where you've got an employer, maybe you're a stay-at-home parent or whatever, that's fine. You're doing the laundry or you're cleaning the house, whatever. I want you to do it while you're working. When you take a break, now don't go to your boss and say, hey, the pastor told me I'm supposed to do this right now. And then show up and say, hey, pastor, can I get a job because I just got fired? No, 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 no. Your break, your lunch, whatever. But during the context of your work, because sometimes purpose is beyond our work. Sometimes what we do Monday through Friday is, is a part of that plan, but it's not always the plan. And if some of you are in high school or college and you get up at the crack of noon, right? You know what I'm talking about? So you can do that too. Um, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull those notes out, and I want you to take Daniel chapter 1 and chapter 2. And I want you to read Daniel chapter 1 and chapter 2. Don't, don't get hung up on the names or the words or the whatever or the these or the thous. And if you don't get that, then you can get the message translation. You can just get a, your Bible app and, and, and the message, which is a transliteration. It's, I want you to catch the narrative, the story. The Bible's a story. Don't forget that. It's a story. It's a narrative. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, it's a story. It's a story of how God, it's, it's a story of a father who so loves his children that he will do anything to bring them home. And I want you to read the narrative of Daniel 1 and Daniel 2. And then I want you to take out your notes, that you, the things that you scribbled down that you really felt impressed upon today. And I want you to ask yourself just a couple of questions. Am I living my purpose? 
So maybe you clean houses for a living. And between house number one and house number two, you're sitting in your minivan. And you're doing this. And you ask, am I living my purpose? Maybe you work in a high-rise downtown. And, and you, you, you have your lunch break. And you just find a park bench outside on a beautiful afternoon. And you just... Am I living my purpose? Maybe you own the company and you tell your assistant, I don't want to hold my calls and, 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 and pull, the, pull the, the, the blinds to your office and get on your knees before a holy God and ask, am I living my purpose, God? Ask yourself, where am I at on the journey? These are questions I ask myself regularly because it's so easy to get off on the left or the right, get off in the weeds. Remember, for every one mile of road, there's two miles of ditch. You don't want to be in the ditches. You want to stay out of the ditch. You want to stay on the high ground in the center road. What do I need to give up? To fulfill the purpose and the plan that God has in my life, what's holding me back? What do I need to give up? Is there a relationship? Do, it's okay to have things, but are things owning me? What do I need to give up? And the last question I, I think is a great question to ask yourself is where do I need to trust God more? Where do I need to trust Him more? Am I trusting Him for my future? Am I trusting with my family? Am I trusting with my finances? Am I trusting with my job? Am I trusting with my vocation? Am I trusting with my future? Am I leaning so heavily on His word that if it were to move, I would fall? Purpose doesn't just happen. It's not just automatic. I think the longer that I follow Jesus, the most spiritually mature thing that I have seen people do is not to quit. Galatians 6, 9, and 10. For God's not mocked. Whatever man sows, that's what he reaps. Don't become weary in well-doing, for in due season, if you don't quit, you'll have your reward. We all have days we want to quit. We all have days we go, does this really matter? We all have moments where does this matter? I'm telling you, there are moments where I will preach a sermon, and I will walk off, and I just go, does it matter? Did anybody get it? There's a lot of other people that could pastor this great church. God, do you... I know, we all feel that way. We all have those days. And you get alone before God, and you get on your knees before God, and God reaffirms the call that he has on your life. He reaffirms the purpose that he has in your life. He brings back to your mind, the Old Testament says, don't forget the old landmarks. He takes you back to those places, back to those moments, back to those God moments. It's at points like that I pull out that old teal green Bible in 1989 when I'm going through college and I'm writing all these things down of the dreams and the hopes and the plans. And I began to go, wow, I'm 46 years old. God, you've done this and you've done this and you've done this. Look at all these other things that are still left to be done. And faith fills your heart and hope fills your heart. And you have a renewed sense of the purpose that God's called you to. Because this world will beat you down. It will try to steal your dreams and rob you and destroy you of everything. 
But he who has created you is greater. And that call is more powerful. And it's he that has set you where he's put you. And it's he that's blessed you. And it's he that's called you. And it's he that's anointed you. And it's he that will open the doors and only he can open. Living life on purpose. We all end up somewhere in life. But few of us end up there on purpose. My prayer for you and for me is that we live with purpose in our life and we fulfill that what God's called us to. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you today for your word. I thank you today, Lord, for the hope of Christ that's in us. I thank you, Lord, for the presence of the Holy Spirit that's in this place and the affirmation that you are giving even in this moment that you've called us, that you have gifted us, and that the work that we are doing to fulfill that call and that purpose is not forgotten or marginalized. But if we just won't quit, if we'll just not grow weary in doing good, you're not mocked. What we are sowing, we are going to reap, and you're going to bless, and you're going to open the doors that only you can open. And provision and promotion and the powerful influence that we need to make the difference in the world that we live in that you've called us to will be ours. Not because of our ability, but because of you, God. In Jesus' name I pray.